Welcome to Audio Shelf. A place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad. And I'm Brittany. And we are the voices in your head. Welcome back to another episode of Audio Shelf. Today, we are very excited to welcome Drew Davies to our show. Oh my gosh, we are so excited. We just finished recording the episode for YouTube on his uh, review, on our review Mm -hmm. of The Shape of Us. And now we can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait to see what he's like Mm -hmm. and make sure I get his address so I can stalk him. Yes, that is always the most important one, two, when you're interviewing with Audio Shelf. Exactly. Make sure we can stalk you. And he is the author of the book, The Shape of Us, if you haven't heard yet. Mm-hmm. And his new one is going to be coming out soon. And I think he's going to talk about that in an interview. Yes. So make sure that you stay tuned for the interview and then go pick up a copy of The Shape of Us. So we're so excited to have Drew here. Happy listening. Hello. Hi, everyone. We are joined with Drew. Hi, hi there. We are so excited. Thank you so much, uh, Drew, for joining us today. We know it's a little late where you are, but uh, we appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's because um, I'm in London and England. I'm contractually obligated to talk about the weather. Um, <laughs> and it is, it's cold. Uh, it was snowing earlier. So um, there you go. So thank you again for coming on the, on the show. Uh, first, we want to kind of start off with just getting to know you a little bit better. So tell us about you. Well, I uh, was born in London, but I grew up in New Zealand, so about as far away as you can possibly get. Mm. Um, And, you know, New Zealand is a really great country. It's beautiful. It's green. It's lush. uh, But it's it's very boring and uh, (laughs) (laughs) very culturally, um, you know, culturally, uh, I I don't want to say boring, but, uh, you know, just distant. Things take a long time to get there. I remember you know, growing up and, and magazines, just any sort of international magazines would arrive sort of six to eight months um, after they'd been released in the rest of the world. So yeah. there was this kind of delay, this strange delay growing up. Um, and, you know, it was pre-internet and, you know, you were kind of at the mercy of of the, the three kind of main TV stations and and, you know, and so I wasn't kind of culturally starved, but it was just like, uh, you know, things would interest me. And I was really interested in quirky films and TV. And, and I think like a lot of um, kids, you kind of really seek that out. Um, but, you know, I didn't have any internet to kind of check up on things. I remember watching um, weird late night comedy shows um, that I think no one else in New Zealand was watching. Um, but they just really sort of connected with me. And I sort of had, I was growing up in small town, New Zealand, and I really didn't have anyone to sort of talk um, to about these things. And so I think, you know, part of my writing comes from an expression, a a need to kind of express that kind of that quirk, that weirdness that I think um, was instilled in me as a, as a child, as a, as a teen. Right. So, um, I went to, after I, I left high school, I went to actually to drama school. And um, uh, I, I think, you know, in New Zealand, I was probably, you know, everyone was always like, oh, you should perform, you should perform. I've, I've kind of realized coming to, to Europe and to England is I'm probably relatively normal uh, in terms of, um, you know, energy. But I think in New Zealand, they were like, 
you're going to go far, kid. You know, you, you've got big, you've got big, big energy. <laughs> so, um, so I went off to drama school uh, straight from high school and it was, you know, a really intense few years, you know, nothing I think uh, prepares you for drama school because it's, it's basically university that's just about trying to get into your head and your emotions. Mm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I was, you know, I was writing the whole time. I'd written, um, you know, all through my sort of childhood and I'd written a play. Um, and, uh, you know, I really liked to perform, but I was almost always translating even my, my performance through my kind of writing brain. So even when I was thinking about how to act in a scene, I was still kind of visualizing it from a sort of a, a writer's perspective. But it was years later till I kind of really sort of realized that that's what I was doing. So I left drama school and I was on a soap in New Zealand um, <laughs> called, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like our, uh, what, what would be the, um, it would be like, well, we have them, we have like Home and Away and Neighbours in Australia, which are very famous soaps. Mm-hmm. Um, ours was called Shortland Street. Ooh. And it was set in a hospital. Uh, so it was on every weeknight at seven o'clock for half an hour. And it was kind of the, the biggest thing on Zero TV. Oh my wow. gosh, that's so, so cool. I, yeah, it was, it was like a really big get, you know, I sort of was cast straight out of drama school. And, um, I, I was like, well, this is it now. I'm, you know, I'm going to be huge. Um, and I played a, a teacher because they had all these young cast members, a lot of soap students, have like younger, like younger actors. They're like, what can we do with all these young actors? Okay, well, let's, let's take them to school. So I was their English teacher and I, um, I had a, um, uh, I had a scandalous affair with one of my students who I didn't realize was, um, underage. She was 15. So, um, but I was very sweet, very nice. I wore, wore a lot of, um, gingham, a lot of plaid for some reason. <laughs> I looked like a, um, a Canadian Mountie. I don't know why. Um, and then after the three months I left, um, never to be seen again. Mm. Uh, so I, and you know, when you're on the show in New Zealand, everyone does know you because it's a very small country. Mm-hmm. So, um, I suddenly, you know, friends and family were calling and, and I'd be walking down the street. I remember, um, I was walking down the road and, um, I could just sense that, you know, a car was slowing down and I was like, okay, this is it. This is the first time, you know, maybe someone's going to say hi or you know love your work or kidnap and the window you. <laughs> wound down or kidnap me um and the, they slowed down the window wound down and they yelled pedophile and then they sped <gasps> off oh no. my god <laughs> no oh my so god. that was that was <laughs> so that was my brush with um with fame but you know after i'd done that there was um there was less for me to do. I'd done the big TV show. And so I started thinking about moving back to, to London to sort of seek my fame and fortune. Oh my goodness. So, uh, Well, well, um, just to, to give you some background, uh, student and teacher romances are my favorite trope. So <laughs> I'm all on board. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what about wearing like um, plaid or gingham? How's that? Yes. So chalkboard and all. <laughs> You could wear a plastic bag and it would be fine. <laughs> um, 
so when I came to London, you know, I, I, I try, I, I sort of tried to seek my fame and fortune. Um, and I, uh, I, I did do some acting, but, you know, uh, I sort of realized it was going to be, um, uh, I was a, a very small fish in a much bigger pond. And, you know, I realized, uh, that I was going to have to pay rent and things like that. So I sort of segued into digital marketing and I've been working in digital marketing for, for about 15 years. But within that time, I was doing a lot of writing. I was doing acting occasionally too. Um, but my writing was kind of building. And about six years ago, I started writing the novel, which, um, which I published, uh, which published a couple of months ago. Uh, so, you know, the past, uh, London has really embraced me, you know, it's, a, it's such a great city and is a place that I, I'm immediately found, felt kind of comfortable in, you know, I mm -hmm. felt it had the same energy as the energy inside of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it sort of sounds weird to truncate the past 20 years just in like, well, you know, and now I've moved to London and I'm happy here, but actually that's kind of what happened. I kind of found my city, found my people, found my pace. And, you know, I've been sort of, uh, writing and, and working and you know, living and loving and, and doing all the great things, um, in London. And, you know, now a lot of my friends, uh, and you know, people are moving out, you know, that you get to a certain, a certain age in a big city and people start to migrate out. And, and actually I feel like I'm just almost beginning here, you know, I feel like um, I'm still discovering everything about London, which is why I wrote um, about London. Mm -hmm. Is th that kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the shape of us being a love letter to London? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think because I was born in London, but I didn't live here, I, I sort of had the experience of both, you know, feeling like a, a born Londoner and also someone who's come back to the city as a you know, as a, um, as a, you know, as a tourist, as a, as a, an immigrant. And so I sort of see it through both lenses. I see it as a place of, um, like reclaiming my birthright, but also, <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I was very culturally a Kiwi when I arrived too, you know, I'd smile a lot at people, which they don't really like over here in the most big cities. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, <laughs> I lived with a whole lot of Kiwi, uh, guys and what, what we kept doing is like finding people collapsed in the street and we'd like be very diligently um, helpful. Like one of us would be putting them in the recovery position. The other one would ring the ambulance. The other one would, you know, make sure people didn't um, step on the person on the, the side, on the footpath. And, and then the ambulance would come and they'd take one look at the person on the floor and go, oh, that's Jake. He's always doing this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be whisked off in the ambulance. But we were such boy scouts, you know, we were Kiwi boys. We were, you know, wanted to sort of put right all the wrongs in the big bad city um so I was very sort of naive and and very kind of hopeful and optimistic when I came to London and sort of seeing that kind of that big city kind of uh you know cynicism and sarcasm it took a while for me to kind of understand that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's like you make eye contact with somebody and you immediately are like no please please don't I, <laughs> I didn't mean anything by that by that nod <laughs> <laughs> so getting to the shape of us, you know, this book tells a lot of stories through different perspectives. So which character About 186 stories, yes. I think, <laughs> last count. Yes. Which which character did you think of first? And did you enjoy writing one in particular? 
Well, I had uh, all of the stories started with a kind of an image that sort of popped into my head um, between sort of 10 to six years ago and just sort of stayed there. Um, so I think the first image was of this uh, older woman um, in her 60s sitting at a cafe with with what looks like her husband. And they're like really holding hands. They're being really sweet together. And everyone in the cafe feels like they are, you know, just the sweetest looking couple in the world and, you know, to still be in love at their age, at their age. Um, and the reality is, is that, you know, he's had an affair that they're married and he's had an affair and she's kind of won him back. And who this woman is that can kind of win her husband back from a, a, a younger woman. So I kind of had that um, idea first and I really liked um, that concept. And, and so that, that woman turned into Jojo. Mm-hmm. Who um, is probably the strongest um, character in the book? She's, you know, she is quite cynical. She's very sarcastic. Yes, um, she's our favorite. And she sort of takes. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Yeah, she's um, she's my favorite. I think too. She takes no prisoners. Yeah. Yes. Um, and um, I just really liked. Uh, I really like writing um, characters who are sort of no nonsense, and they sort of, you know, because it's kind of a magic trick. I think uh, when someone walks into a situation and doesn't really care how they're perceived, and that's really not me. I'm I'm very, <laughs> I'm very. Um, I don't want to say emotionally aware, but I'm you know I want to be liked. I want to be um, you know good. Um, so I'm the sort of person who um, you know doesn't put my bag on the seat in case someone wants to take the chair, you know? Mm. So I'm always kind of trying to think about, you know, trying to be a nice person, I guess. So it's very liberating. It's very exciting to write a character who's, you know, pretty, uh, pretty bullshy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the fun thing with writing is that you can really make somebody who is the complete opposite of yourself and make it seem like that's a part of you. Like you're kind of compartmentalizing them into yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of the the characters in The Shape of Us are sort of parts of me or sort of wish fulfillment in some way or or some aspect of me. But I think for me, writing uh, female characters is is even easier because, you know, you you never feel like someone is um, going to uh, directly compare them with you. You feel kind of kind of a safety, a surety in the in the gender swap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Uh, yeah, it, in a, in a way, I think I I write stronger female characters because of that because there's even more anonymity in them. Yeah, definitely. And this is not your typical love story. You write a lot about uh, loss and you know inevitable change. So, what made you go this route instead of your typical girl meets boy? They fall in love and happy happily ever after. Yes, because there is a girl meets boy um, storyline. Mm-hmm. One of the, the three three hundred eight storylines. Um, <laughs> uh, da- <laughs> Daisy and Chris um, meet, and they have you know quite not not a conventional, but they they meet, they sort of fall in love, and and the rest of the story is is probably the most conventional storyline in terms of the struggles that they have dating and, and falling in love and finding someone nice in a big city. So it does have that as almost as the backbone to the novel, a kind of, a, I guess, a more conventional romance. Um, and then you've got three other storylines where there's romance, but it's it's quite quirky. It's it's unusual. It's unexpected. It's kind of 
again, finding love in, in odd places um, and, and really understanding what it is to connect and, and to be connected and the sense of loneliness you get uh, in a large city where there's so many people and yet it's so hard to kind of connect, especially when we're all on, on phones and on social media. So, you know, I, um, I've only just got back onto social media after 10 years off. Um, and so this book was written without social media really. And, and there's not, there's not a whole lot of social media in it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's text messages, um, but there are kind of stranger ways of communication. So there's a communication through an Excel spreadsheet. There's um, a telegram. There's kind of codes and, and blog posts. And, and in some ways, the communication is quite antiquated. It's a little bit sort of old school, but it's, I think, trying to get to this point where there's an authentic way of communicating. Um, so, you know, I... I it, it's a love letter to London in a way that I think it's trying to look at some of the, the ideas of living in London, like the, the, the weird alienation, the feeling of, you know, coming to the city to find someone, you know, the chances of meeting someone in a city of 10 million is really high, but then actually trying to, to connect with them and to, you know, to actually make um, a real connection is actually really tough. So <laughs> There's all of this contradiction um, in terms of romance and love in in any big city, but you know in London as well. And I, you know, I start the I start the novel off by saying, you know, London is a city for lovers, and really, no one has ever said that. <laughs> like, you think of Paris, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm sort of saying, you think of Venice and you know even New York and you know, but so. Even though there are lots of romantic comedies set in London um, and, you know, London can be a very romantic place, it has this strange dichotomy of not really actually being considered particularly romantic. And that's something about the British, it's something about the weather, it's something about the, you know, the way that we... Um, that we are and the way that we date and the way that we kind of even consider romance you know romance is uh, you know a, a strange thing almost for for british people we're learning how to date mm -hmm. we didn't really you know you just sort of go to a pub with someone you liked um and and really you know meeting someone was built all around drinking <laughs> <laughs> um so, but we are, you know, we are learning about romance um, through film and TV and sort of the, a little bit the Americanization of romance is, is I think, you know, coming to, to Britain in the same way that, you know, Halloween has over the past few years. So to answer your question in a long winding way, I think, you know, love for me and romance and is always comedic. You know, there's uh, my dating life uh, has always had a lot of comedy, um, whether I liked it or not. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in terms of romance, I'm, I'm interested in relationships and obviously romance is a really key part of that, but, um, also, you know, the reasons for romance and the, the, the kind of the, the other emotions that come with that, the, um, fear of rejection, the, the worry that, you know, you're going to lose someone, the, you know, the, 
the, the wonderful moments when everything becomes kind of clear and you, you know, you realize you truly do feel something strong for someone. So, you know, I really wanted to play with, with all the colors in the, in the crayon box. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so and, interesting. And it's funny that you mentioned that London is kind of for lovers because in the United States, our state, Virginia, is for lovers. Oh, and I know oh, it's ah. it's Virginia. And I don't understand <laughs> that at all because it's Virginia. Yeah, Virginia is like the <laughs> land of like high police tickets. And... Yes. So I don't know why we have that for the land of lovers, but <laughs> I completely stand behind London being the land of lovers. Yes. <laughs> Well, great. I, I, I don't know what our ticket uh, system is like, uh, <laughs> if it's um, expensive or not. <laughs> uh, so your writing style, um, it, it was super unique to us. Um, you use a lot of parentheses, um, and we were curious how that helps build your characters and the world that they're in. Yes, I kind of laughed when I saw this, uh, this question. Um, <laughs> Because because um, uh, uh, I get so many notes from my editor, like can we we maybe not have so many parentheses. Um, I you know ultimately I think I'm a comedy writer, um, even more so you know than a romance uh, comedy. Uh, like, you know, romance for me is the emotional integrity um, of, of, of writing. Um, but I really want to make you laugh. Like that's really where I get the glee. Um, so. In a sense, I am throwing everything at the page. You know, I'm just trying to kind of keep the keep the momentum, keep the jokes coming, keep the sort of the the, the laughter, and and so sometimes I get a little bit greedy, um, and I'm like, oh, there's another joke I could add, or there's another element. Um, so I think that's really where the parenthesis comes in. It's almost uh, a matter of like not wanting to, you know, to give up on the on the joke or to keep that momentum going. And actually, I had in an earlier draft, I had footnotes. Oh, oh wow! So, um, yeah, I had all these. Um, so there was a footnote on every maybe every fourth page. So there would be another joke or funny aside or funny character description. Um, that sort of you know came down in the in the footnote and extra things about London and you know so it was it was a lot you know um and actually <laughs> what's so great about working with um uh, a great editor which is uh, my editor uh, Christina at Bookature is she's able to pull that back you know and and say okay here's the balance I still want you to be funny and I still want this to hopefully be charming but you know let's let's also let the story sit let's you know this is funny, but we don't need the third or the fourth or the eighth joke in the line. <laughs> and so <laughs> she has, uh, you know, really helped me pull that back. But um, I'd written lots before and I, you know, I'd, I'd written like, you know, novels or, or, you know, beginnings to novels and that sort of tone of voice where, you know, I try, I was trying to write a novel and you know, and it had that kind of really earnest sound to it. Um, and, and what, what I sort of changed when I wrote this novel was just kind of like, write the way that I, I spoke and it was a little bit messy and it was a little bit crowded and it was a little bit sort of, you know, much or a lot, as the kids say, it was a little bit extra. Um, <laughs> but there was a sort of, uh, <laughs> There was, uh, you know, an authenticity, I think. For, it, was, it was me. It was definitely me. Mm -hmm. So what's wonderful is when, you know, people get this book. They really get it. You know, I kind of feel that connection. 
they they're in on the joke um they they really you know they they get into my sense of humor and uh, and they're along for the ride and that's that's really exhilarating when you have readers that that respond like that that was that's really cool and i i really liked the parentheses because you could see the sassiness like in them and so i was just like <laughs> okay this is great this is exactly what i need for this character's like thought process yeah we really connected with it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. You know, you want, um, you want sassier sides. You want, you know, you want to build up that, um, cause we're in their, you know, we're in their heads and, and, um, we want to, we want to know more about how they're viewing the world because, you know, again, it's sort of, I'm writing about London, but I'm really actually writing about the interior lives of London. Like, I think I, someone said in a review, well, you know, I mean, it's set in London, but you don't really find out much about London. And in a way you don't because you're, you know, you're in, you know, a, a council flat in South London and you're, you know, you're in a, in a um, investment bank, you know, locked inside for, for one storyline. And, and actually you're not like walking along the Thames and seeing the London Eye, like you're not going to these these um touristy hotspots and you don't get a sense of like london as you would a tourist but you do get a sense of people living there and their interior lives and and what that would look like if you lived in london mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i think that's one of the things that i really liked about it is that it was entering into somebody's world and it was giving us a glimpse into like their life at this very important moment um and also it made me um there was one point where you brought up uh, someone's accent and it made me go and look up videos of that accent because I was just like so interested because there wasn't any explanation for it so I was like I want to educate myself so it like really threw me in and made me want to learn more oh great I, I made you do homework that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> unintentional homework <laughs> so yeah, and yeah. I oh I I, I um I wanted to give an experience of uh, a city and I, I've been to New York a couple of times and both times I've sort of been by myself and I just never really felt like I've engaged with New York. I've always felt like there's a party down the road that I've just missed and I don't know where to go and everyone else is having fun on the east side and I'm on the west side or, you know. Um, so, but I've, I, I've been to LA and I've been to San Francisco and both times with, you know, I've I had friends there and they've kind of taken me to their play, favorite places. And, you know, it's just been such a different experience when you've got a friend to sort of introduce you to the kind of the cool, cooler side or just the, you know, the local knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the, um, books, uh, series of books I love a lot, which, you know, I think, um, really affected writing the shape of us was, uh, reading the tales of the city books, uh, when I was in my twenties, you know, Armistead Mopin. And just the way that, you know, those, those books unlock, uh, San Francisco and, you know, especially San Francisco in the seventies and eighties, later in the nineties. And, um, and so I wanted to write about London in that way, as if you were staying with someone and they were going to kind of take you on a really great tour of the city and, and really kind of get you under the skin of what it was like to be a Londoner, maybe not under London, but like really what it was like to, to, to live there and, and have that frame of thinking. That's Definitely. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Audio Shelf is uh, originally a podcast about audiobooks. And so 
in an yes. in, yeah in a message that we sent back and forth, you mentioned that you were actually looking for or you, you were uh, putting this book as an audiobook. Has that come to fruition yet, or? Yes, we um, we sold the audio rights to um, uh, uh, an audiobook company, so um, that will be coming out soon. I don't know anymore. Uh, I, uh, but it's um, it's very exciting because I grew up uh, listening to audiobooks, mm. and I couldn't go to uh, from five years old to when I was about twenty. I couldn't go to uh, sleep without an audiobook playing. Um, so audiobooks for me are kind of, uh, they're, you know, they're part of my childhood, they're part of my teens, they're re- really, really, um, dear to me. So in a way, getting an audiobook of, of my book is almost more exciting <laughs> than actually having a book. Like I really, I kind of freaked out a little bit when, when I, um, about the audiobook. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh, I wonder who will read it. Like, you know, um, so, um, and to, over here, uh, I don't know how it is in general. It's my, my first audiobook, um, but you get input. But the company decides the audiobook company decides finally who who reads um, the book. And I was wondering, like, will they get a man or a woman to read it? Because that will completely change the experience. Yeah, because I, I was kind of um, curious if they would have like a whole um, cast cast of people because you have different ages and seventeen people all play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I think they'll probably get one per, probably a very talented um, individual. I'm thinking. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would I would love to do it. I would I would love to read it. I think it's a little bit of an aim of mine, but um, I I don't know if I've got that muscle yet to sort of make those demands. And part of me, uh, I had a, a book launch um, here in Wanstead in London, where I live. And I have some great actor friends, um, some of them who I've done some work with. And one of my uh, friends, uh, Shonid, who's a wonderful actor, she read uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, extracts from the book. And the way she read it, it was just wonderful. It was just music, you know, and it, it transformed it into something even, you know, better than I could imagine. And, and I was... Um, uh, and sort of took me away from my own writing. You know, when you when you see your writing too much, and you you know you're reading your own writing, all you can see is the is the the, the flaws. I sound like Christina Turlington from the nineties. You know, when they asked the supermodel, <laughs> "Do you think you're beautiful?" and they're always like, "No, I just see in the mirror is my wrinkles." And you're like, "Sure, you do." <laughs> um, but so I'm actually excited about someone else reading it too, and sort of hearing that interpretation and, and being able to put it in and uh, in my ear, ears, yeah, <laughs> and listen to it and enjoy it, you know, as a as a as a, as a regular person. <laughs> you take your friend's resume and you like slip it into the pile of narrators. <laughs> I, do you know I might do that? Actually, I might. <laughs> That's your only input that you want. <laughs> yeah, you like they must yeah. do this. <laughs> I'll get really precious and say, no, this is the person. This is who we're having. Yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, flex <laughs> those uh, author muscles. <laughs> <laughs> so do you consider yourself a contemporary romance novelist or are there many different sides to Drew Davies? Oh, the many, the many facets of Drew Davis, which is the name of my fourth book. Um, <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, 
it, I, I like being a contemporary romance, uh, a r- romantic comedy, really. I think there's always going to be a comedic element to it. Um, I've always liked, you know, being slightly going against slightly the flow uh, of things. And so I really like being in a genre which doesn't, you know, usually have so many men. I like that. I like um, being in a slightly different place and maybe bringing a slightly different, slightly different um, take on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, I love writing about relationships and, and I like writing humor, you know, so those two things are just, kind of core fundamental things for me really they're the they're the sort of the music that you know I can kind of make with words um to make it sound super grand um and you know there's lots of um there's a lot of a scope within that so um my new uh, novel that's coming out um this year will you know will play with some similar ideas it's you know it's um it's definitely this uh, a book by me but it's a very sort of different um kettle of fish um it's uh it, i'll tell you about it actually it's um a, a woman in her 30s who moves uh, from london to denmark um and she um she's kind of trying to start her life again so she's uh, uh moves there because she's heard that everyone in in Scandinavia is really happy and, and maybe that will rub off uh, on her. And she's um, writing letters back to her sister. So each uh, chapter is a letter back to her sister. Mm-hmm. So it's very kind of different. It's first person and it's her, you know, it's her, her romance and her love and her lots of um, comedic lows uh, and highs. Um, so it will be very different, but again, it's, you know, it's about relationships and it's about, um, the, the, the cultural differences and, and, um, quirks, uh, that she kind of, uh, finds along the way. So I think it's very much on brand. I hate saying that, that phrase <laughs> on brand. Um, <laughs> um, but there's, you know, it's, it's, uh, a very different, you know, way of presenting that and, and, um, it, it, it excites me to, to look through the different lens of a completely different person. You know, you find out so much more about romance specifically with a completely different character, you know? So in a way, I don't think I could ever really tire of, um, of looking at romantic relationships because they bring out the truest sense of ourselves, not always the best, you know, often the worst, but, um, it's, it's you know it's the often the most dramatic we get as humans um for ill and for good um but come back to me after book 10 and and still see if i'm um uh, excited about writing romantic comedy <laughs> <laughs> i'll be writing dark dystopian right novels. yeah that's usually the the slope that authors go i guess <laughs> so it sounds like you you went big with the shape of us because you have like very a lot of different voices in there and then with your next one you're just like focused in on one one character how oh man i that? i learned my lesson oh i <laughs> do you know i <laughs> I think I described it once as like whipping the tablecloth, you know, doing that trick where you whip the tablecloth off the table 
um, and you, you know, you leave everything on the, on the table. And I, you know, sort of do that in the, in the shape of us about 50 times. You keep <laughs> expecting everything to fall off. And I'm like, da da, da da, you know. Um, so, you know, naive doesn't even describe it. You know, I was like, oh, great. All right. I've got these ideas and these, you know, inter interacting storylines. And really, I, you know, I don't, I didn't really have any kind of commercial intent. I was just writing the stories that I, I, I wanted to write. And so I think, you know, what's great is it, you know, did turn into something that, you know, people are enjoying and, and there is a, there is a real kind of quirkiness to it because it sort of shouldn't work in some ways. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I think it, it does just what by the skin of its teeth, um, but, um, I, after that experience of even getting notes on four different storylines, which is kind of like getting edit, editorial notes on four completely different books. Um, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to make things a little simple. I'm going to write <laughs> one storyline. I'm going to have one protagonist, you know, and, oh man, it's, it's like, a, it's like having a holiday. It really right. is. It's still a lot of work. Um, obviously, you know, um, but, um, not having to hold all of these interweaving stories together, um, uh, was, was, was great. Yeah. I, I can't lie. Um, then, you know, there's a real momentum when you have lots of stories together because they kind of, you know, they knock up against each other and they spur you on and on. So, um, there were times when I was writing just one long narrative that I sort of, you know, I, I had to kind of keep coming back to the core emotional storyline and go, well, what, what's the truth here? Because I, I felt kind of a little bit impatient sometimes when I was writing it. Um, but I think because of that, I've created, um, a, 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 a more full story in the, in the, in the second novel. Um, because I had a little bit more time, a little bit more emotional energy to, to put into the story. Right. Right. Well, I think that all the characters in The Shape of Us, they each had their own voices. There was a couple characters that we were completely in love with. And then there were some that we were like, oh, God, this person. <laughs> <laughs> so they each had their own personalities. Yeah. And that, I, I thought there would be a clear winner in terms of, you know, a character that everyone liked and maybe a character that people didn't enjoy. But it's been really interesting that people like completely different characters. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes Adam is people's favorite and I'm like, well, he's a bit of a weirdo. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes people, you know, a lot of people love Jojo, but then other people are like really put off by her, you know, and some people really like Chris, but mm. don't understand why he's with Daisy. And then people really kind of grow to love Dylan. So I think, you know, <laughs> that's the is risk. That with is the key word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's this uh, writing likable characters is this, you know, constant dilemma, I mm -hmm. think, for, for authors, you know, because you want characters that people bond with and, you know, want to spend time with and aren't put off by. But at the same time, you know, characters that are a little bit quirky and sometimes unlikable and have kind of growth or, you know, challenge the way that we see a certain type of person, they're really interesting to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's this constant tension between, you know, writing someone that we kind of know and like and we get along with, and someone who maybe we don't like to begin with, but we 
maybe we don't even like them at the end, but we at least understand them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So before we move on to our game, because, you know, we like to play games here. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I want Amazing. I, I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you on social media and kind of how to purchase your book. Yes. So I am on Amazon. So you can buy me, um, not me, my book. Um, <laughs> Brad, we've uh, already done that. <laughs> uh, in, you can buy uh, the ebook or you can buy the paperback in America and in the UK. Um, and it's also from yesterday, it's joined Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for oh, free. Nice. Um, yeah. And so my Twitter is at Drew underscore Davis, which is D-A-V-I-S. I'm on Instagram at Drew Davis Writer. And my website is drewdavis.co.uk. And I'm on Facebook, but I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> Drew Davis, probably. Um, so, yeah. Um, like me. Um Tweet me. I don't know what the cool kids do anymore. What a, well, Snapchat, is that still a thing? Yeah, we don't poke anymore, so we can't do that. <laughs> Good, <laughs> yes. I think really there were a couple of lawsuits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for the game. So excellent. we know what your characters would do in these uh, intense life situations, but we want to know what Drew Davis would do. So we apologize if these things have really happened to you and you wrote from experience. Um, okay. But we, you can say skip if you want to, if it's too <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, but the first one is, okay. wow. <laughs> we're getting deep here. Um, you're, really, you're really building this up. I'm yeah. <laughs> the first excited. one um, we're, we're sure hopefully that you haven't gone through is a marriage of 37 years ending after you find out your spouse has been sleeping with the secretary. What do you do? Ooh, Wow, my marriage has I think I I'm I moved to Bali and I wear long sweeping kind of 100% cotton fabrics and I just sort of stand on the beach barefoot and just kind of look into the ocean um and and just kind of you know have epiphanies about my life, you know, in terms of um that I don't need anyone that I can, that I can, uh, you know, just walk down the beach and pick up shells and just be really kind of happy with myself. But, you know, what's really important here is that I'm wearing hundred percent, um, organic cotton. I think that's <laughs> the, 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 the takeaway that we need that I'm just in really yes. wonderful fabric, you know, it's, yes. it's gorgeous and it's, it's billowing, it's billowing in the barley breeze. And everyone is jealous. <laughs> yeah. I might, I maybe even have a hat. Ooh, a hat. But you're not becoming best friends with the homewrecker secretary. <laughs> no, see, I, I, I think I would, yeah, I would, I would probably go somewhere to lick my wounds. I don't think I would be that confrontational. I'd be like, yeah, I would, I would want to, you know, they say um, the best revenge is um, living a good life. So I would like, yeah, be like living a really good life in Bali. Yes. So the next maybe maybe burn the burn the house down before I go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we that's, go. What that's, we were, that's what we were looking for. <laughs> yeah, we were like, this we're is too okay, nice great. right yes, now. I won. <laughs> I won. I won. What do I win? What do I win? <laughs> Another question. <laughs> so um, 
you have a pen pal for five years and you have feelings for that person behind the computer, the computer screen, but you don't know what they look like. What do you do? Oh, wow. This is kind of real because I think anyone who has been on dating apps or before that on like website dating sites, I mean, I have had what felt like dating relationships definitely with people I'd never met. And what, what, what's weird is that they could go on for like weeks and months and then they would just sort of fizzle out and you'd never sort of contact them again. So this is, I think this is real. This is, um, this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so you don't know what they look like. Um, I mean, I, I work in search. Um, that's my sort of day job before I started writing. So I would try and basically find out as much as I could about them online. Um, and set up like Google alerts <laughs> and I would do a lot of online snooping, but you know, as ethically as I could, mm-hmm. um, to kind of try and build a, a, a profile that, I mean, that sounds creepy. I could, I'm hearing myself say that and that sounds creepy. Have you watched you by any <laughs> chance <laughs> or read it? No, I haven't. It's a really no. good show Is and that book. What that's about. <laughs> yeah. It's about a stalker. Uh, I saw- <laughs> And it's kind of it has comedy in it. Um, it's a good, it's a good oh movie or TV show. <laughs> I saw that the actor in it, you know, who was on Gossip Girl. Yeah. I saw him in a Brooklyn cafe reading, um, reading a play and looking so actorly. Oh my god! Um, he just looked like he was just like really intense. And I remember. He was, he was he was sitting right next to the toilet, um, and I had to go to the loo. And I'm in the toilet, and I'm thinking he's just outside the door. I'm <laughs> <laughs> being sort of a bit pee shy because I was like, "Gossip girl guy, he's just behind the door." Like, he can hear me um, pee. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> now, did I answer the question? You did. You, you did. did. Um, and exactly the way that we would okay, probably good. answer that question. Like, we're total stalkers, too. So I won again. Yes, you did. You won I'm, again. I'm two for two, guys. Yeah, yes. you get to yes. upgrade to the next scenario. <laughs> so Ooh. you get into a small car accident with a really attractive person, and it just so happens that you're both single. What do you do? I mean, this is this is um, romantic comedy scenario one <laughs> one. Are we are we injured? Like, am I bleeding? Nope, nope. Small, nope, small, just small. <laughs> Maybe like a cut on the Someone's forehead like laying or something. on the ground, bleeding out. <laughs> like I, <laughs> like this is my this is my jam. I think like I would be using every kind of like pun every i would be like wow i don't get smashed into like this every like i would be pretty bad and then i can blame it on like um concussion or whiplash mm. so i think this is like a you're in a really this is a strong place to like throw out your worst lines ever um uh um did you fall from heaven because i just crashed my car and um <laughs> Into you, I don't know. No, better ones than that. Um, how about you and I go halves on an insurance policy? No. I'm not. Oh my um, god, that's a winner. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. Wow. So, and then you've got the fallback of I've maybe got um, bleeding on the brain. 
you know, um, I'm, I'm may die. Yeah, that's always a classic. <laughs> it's always a classic. <laughs> that, and that's really sexy, I think, you know, knowing that someone might be, um, you know, fatally wounded, mm-hmm. you know, it gives a real sort of, it, it, it gives a real sort of um, paciness to the relationship. I yeah, think. it speeds it up a little bit and you're the last person that they're with. So win-win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't drive, so I'm probably at fault, I think, for this um, accident. <laughs> like I'm thinking the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to do some sexual favors to get myself out of this. So, uh. Well, you win that question. So. You know. yep. so you ended that last scenario perfectly. Well, and thank so you, you win the whole game. You win the whole game. Oh, yeah. wow. Thanks, we guys. We feel like we can't even continue on because <laughs> the ending was just so good on that one. <laughs> what will drew do <laughs> sexual favors yeah basically <laughs> have you seen the film crash well <laughs> not the one when the yeah the the first the, there's two look it up yeah google it <laughs> the sequel yeah <laughs> so we just have to thank you again i know that we like spent all that time getting reconnected but <laughs> that was the last part um but we just have to thank you again for being so awesome and interviewing with us. Um, it was great. We feel like we know you a lot better and we can't wait for the next book to come out. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been so great talking with you guys. Bye guys. Have a good rest of your night. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I'm in love. I'm in oh. love with him. Oh my gosh. Even more than you were. Yes. Oh he's my so, God. He's so, he's so nice. He's so nice and genuine. And I loved because sometimes authors, when we come at questions about their writing style, they're I was afraid that it was going to come off bad. Yeah. But like I was afraid of that question. I really loved his answer. It was like, yeah. this is how I write. I wanted my my readers to connect with me on that level. Yeah. And I just love that. That was like my favorite part of the interview. Yeah. Because every writer is different. And we had that question and it wasn't a critique at all. We were just really curious about it. Yeah. And so I like that he knew that that was our curiosity. Yes. So I we appreciate that, Drew. And so for all of our listeners out there, please go to your nearest books bookstore or eventual eventually like my audiobooks or or when it, wherever the audiobook is gonna be sold. Just go buy it. Just go to Just a store. Go and buy anything that with Drew Davis's name Find on it. Find it. Amazon. Amazon. Like, like Drew said, Amazon, he's on Amazon. His book's on Amazon. It's just go buy it. Just go buy it. Pre-order the next one whenever the pre-order is available. We can't wait for that one. That one sounds so good. I'm, I'm like in line waiting. Yeah. Already. Yes. It's like a Black Friday deal that hasn't come up yet, and I'm just already in line it waiting. Drew deal. The Drew deal. Drew day. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to stay up to date with us and all that we are doing, please like us on Twitter at Audio Shelf Me. Follow us on Facebook at Audio Shelf and follow us on Instagram at Audio Shelf underscore podcast. You can also subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And now you can watch us on BookTube. That's YouTube for the older folk. Mm-hmm. Just go to the search bar in YouTube, look up Audio Shelf, and I think we're two away underneath audio builders. Yes. Or are we those, on the top now? Those burly men. Have moved down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking over. We're taking over. When you look up audio shelf, you're just not looking up men building shelves. Yeah. Just 
just ignore the men building shelves unless you really need a shelf. And then you can pay attention. And some of the men are attractive. I mean, we can't help it. And if you would like to download two free books for the price of free, go into our website at audioshelf.me and click on the Audible affiliate link. You can download a 30-day free trial and you get two free books. Yep. Free is awesome. You know what (laughs) what else is free? What? A visit to our Patreon. Oh, that's right. All you have to do is Google Audio Shelf Patreon and it'll pop right up. But then it's not really free because if you donate a dollar... Yeah, you, you get our shows ahead of time, and you get to ha- join in in discussions as well. So all you have to do is patron for a dollar. <laughs> so until next time, bye. bye. <laughs> this has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me. We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening. I said, remember, the last words were, I'll have to do sexual favors. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I was like, ah! I'm so sorry. (laughs) He said, rookie mistake. (laughs) I'm really cold. Me too. You turned the the heat off. (laughs) I know. You're so dumb. His is 1%, 2%, a 3%. A four. A four. A five. A six. Is it going to be a hundred? Uh, yeah, it's got to get to a hundred. <laughs> then why are we counting like this? <laughs> Eddie. Okay. okay, good. Sit down, but I love you. You have uh, like, 70% <laughs> to, to sit down. To sit down. <laughs> Bye. I don't want to objectify a man. But they do it all the time to women. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Log on to our website at audioshop.me and click on the Audible affiliate link to download the fruits. <laughs> what was that? I don't, from? I don't freaking what know. I don't that? freaking know. <laughs> <laughs>